Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Disclaimer. The following information contains facts that may interrupt your cognitive dissonance or core beliefs that may not be accepted and will be challenged. Congratulations, you've unlocked some Gorilla Radio. I am a crypto keeper, Steve Strange. I will break down a digital asset called cryptocurrency. But you be rolling into central land. I got no time for glitches. I just need to buy land. They are chasing my bosses. What somebody be telling? But I don't give much. Cause I ain't selling. My NFT is not another number. I put a price, so don't place a bit what is under. The banks want to see us there. If a bull price is on the head. But still I have mana on my ledge. For when the black after alive, I will live. For DC, I don't know the GMC for crypto did. I am a crypto keeper. Here to deep dive and provide that inside on the crypto space. Massive amounts of moving data fill the airwaves, continuing this movement, further driving into the direction we are all headed toward. We are all in this in more ways than one. And I know that sounds a little bit familiar considering how this year started. And that was the, uh, the statement given through and through about the challenges we were all being faced with at the time. But little did we know how much more that was going to mean in other areas. So I wanted to address, again, any type of confusion about what's taking place here. This, um, if you're new to crypto, if you're new to this digital asset space and you're trying to grasp it, trying to wrap your head around it to understand it, what my attempt here is is to apply a base, a foundation of how to begin this journey, how to begin this effort and research on how it all connects, how it all comes together, how it's applied. That is why we are coming again to another episode as well as a sequel to the previous episode. Part one was only the beginning and we're here to continue to find out the rest of the story with part two. And before I get into that, just very quickly, I wanted to touch on where it is, where Bitcoin is today. As many may have noticed, if you've watched it or if you've been kind of keeping an eye on it, again, trying to figure out, do you want to 
invest? Do you want to get involved? Um, how, you know, where that entry point is? Bitcoin is generated huge amounts of buzz right now because it is skyrocketing upward. It's insane how much um, this this uh, price action has gone up. You know, as I'm sitting here, it's sitting at 18,600. That is truly incredible for many BTC holders. BTC, that's the three letter ticker to identify it in the markets. And um, yeah, it's really, really crazy to see these levels, to see this price this way. Um, and my main statement on something like this is do not FOMO in. And FOMO stands for fear of missing out. You, you know, typically as it goes in a market, if you've ever had experience or if you've ever seen it, or if you don't know how to enter, the usual consensus is to not buy at the top, but sell at the top, right? And so right now this thing is continuing on upward and has not really pulled back in a way that many of us like or have been waiting for. But when it does pull back and there, there is a drop in price, that is the more ideal time to think about whether you're looking to acquire some BTC. So again, don't FOMO in, just watch and wait at a point and look for that entry. So let's, um, and yeah, so there's a psychology to it, you know, and everybody battles it. Even the most professional trader, they, um, they battle it and trying to, to hold on to their, to their sanity and their knowledge on when that, uh, time frame is basically you're utilizing patience like you've never before. As far as price action, potential price action for it to, for it to hit in the near future. I mean, really it's anybody's guess, um, besides the obvious of it, uh, skyrocketing onwards. The funny part is, um, those looking to, uh, acquire some Bitcoin these days. Uh, one thing that I say is even though in the short term, if you buy now, it's like buying at the top in the long term, you're buying at the bottom just to kind of put that into perspective. Okay, so let's get this thing started. We are in part two of finding out the rest of this story and what Bank to the Future really has in store for us. It's going to get interesting, guys. This is a crypto channel. Don't worry. We are definitely touching on all of these things, and I will tie all of this together. If you can listen, if you can make it to the end, I will hit on some very interesting surprises, some did you know kind of stuff, some stuff that will, again, help you prolong your effort and your understanding on what this, this crypto stuff is all about. And of, of course, especially as we're hitting into those, uh, the times of, you know, communications are, are, are a bit questionable these days, like whether how much of you will gather during the holidays and speak amongst each other. And uh, again, this is a conversation that should be had because this is concerning your future, all of our futures. So to quickly review from part one, I mentioned something called the fourth turning. Okay, so unfortunately, I did downplay this a little bit uh, for the sake of time. 
And I'm hoping to get through as much as possible with this. The fourth turning is very, very, um, very interesting because it is extremely significant, just as much as the whole Bretton Woods thing. And so this is not only the convergence of four generations existing within this particular moment in time, but it's also a study from a book from William Strauss and Neil Howe, the Strauss-Howe theory of this turning moment. Their extensive research, believe it or not, has become required reading. This is actually something, a book that has been passed along. This is like, you know, did you get the memo kind of thing? This is something that is passed along, required, and mentioned to every politician, every investment firm or banking firm, anyone in a very prominent or powerful or leadership position. This is one of the requirements that you are given. And I kid you not. And so the fourth turning, it does have some key points stating history and stating the current events. It provides that timeline and where we are today. This history, apparently, according to this, the fourth turning states that it moves in 80-year cycles with generations of 20-year periods within. And in those 20-year periods, are each one of them are the turnings. The previous cycle ended in world, at World War II. The first turning is uh, called, is referred to as the high. So I guess you could say that's the entry into the onward and upward of where everything will be headed. The second turning is called the awakening. You've reached that moment, that pivotal moment of where you are. The third turning, it's called the unraveling. Then we come to the fourth turning, and that one is called the crisis. It is this point in time which has, which has us at a critical point during this convergence, during um, an amazing number of convergences, really. I mean, of these things converging all at once, if you think about it. This is a convergence of this turning, which includes civil unrest, economic weakness and concerns, bringing that call for a new Bretton Woods, a virus that's reconstructing everyone's lifestyle. And then there's something called the fourth industrial revolution. I've hinted on that here and there, but now we're going to get into what that actually is. This fourth industrial revolution is a recognition and a movement in evolving technology. This brings us to the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum is that second entity promoting very influential decisions by non-elected figures over the fate of the world, looking to the full utility and use case of blockchain and the economic structure of the oncoming digital currencies. The World Economic Forum is based in Switzerland, founded in January 1971. Their mission is stated as committed to improving the state of the world by engaging business, 
political, academic, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industry agendas. They are touching a lot of bases there. And I also encourage you to go check it out in their website, weforum.org, W-E-F-O-R-U-M.org. And in that website, you will find some very interesting information and videos. They are very upfront about everything. So who funds this World Economic Forum? Well, that would be the industry leaders from corporations and companies all over the world with something like $5 billion in yearly turnover. Yeah, at least. And also, it consists of individuals, including celebrities, journalists, and those willing to pay the annual dues and fees ranging from $65,000 to $650,000 a year. And the members in this organization include just about every household brand you can think of, whether it's banks or credit card companies, tech companies, anyone in the health sector. Yeah, they have a full roster. So this is where it gets interesting. In June of 2020, the World Economic Forum launched something called the Great Reset Initiative. This is a commitment to jointly and urgently build the foundations of our economic and social system for a fairer, sustainable, and more resilient post-COVID pandemic future. They have openly and repeatedly stated about and, and talked about the Great Reset Initiative. So I'd like to play a clip for you um, considering or concerning that very same thing. And this is what they have to say. It is obvious that we are in the midst of the most severe crisis the world has experienced since World War II. 75 years ago, countries and people came together to shape the post-war global order, which brought us decades of peace, increased global cooperation and prosperity to hundreds of millions of people around the world. The COVID-19 crisis has shown us that our old systems are not fit anymore for the 21st century. It has laid bare the fundamental lack of social cohesion, fairness, inclusion, and equality. Now is the historical moment, the time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system for the need for the post-corona era. In short, we need a great reset. Now is the time to think what history would say about this crisis. And now is the time for all of us to define our own role. What is it that would make it so that history would look at this crisis as the great opportunity for reset? The Great Reset is a welcome recognition that this human tragedy must be a wake-up call. It is imperative that we reimagine, rebuild, redesign, reinvigorate and rebalance our world. 
rebalancing investment, harnessing science and technology, and advancing the transition to net zero emissions, all elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. I hope um, you were able to grasp some of that. <clears throat> that last gentleman that spoke, he is one of the, he is the managing director at the UN. And you could say that's somewhat of a third entity, but I'm not even going to go there. Besides, we don't have time for all that. I'd like to make a comment about the first gentleman that spoke. We're going to touch on him in a little bit. Um, but that always, whenever he, if you were ever to see a video of him and you were ever to kind of catch a moment of one of his speeches, I, um, I get taken back a little bit because I'm a, I'm a Star Wars fan and I was always freaked out about Emperor Palpatine or yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, ultimately, basically what they just referred to as this thing is basically it's leading into the recognition and the movement that's relating to the technology. This is basically referring to our transition into the fourth industrial revolution, something that they're very open, um, open about and so much so that they have plenty of publications on it as well. So the World Economic Forum's position on the fourth industrial revolution, you can find it in their website. And what they have to say is it's the, the technologies that surround us, tools that we can identify, grasp, and consciously use to improve our lives. Or are they more than that? Powerful objects and enablers that influence our perception of the world, change our behavior, and affect what it means to be human. They have um, a very peculiar way of speaking about this, this transition and how they see fit to move forward. And again, they're doing it upon themselves. They're taking it upon themselves to do this and then passing those orders out. So let's um, go into, well, we're on the fourth industrial revolution. What were the first three? So the first one, that's, that was the shift from our resilience, or sorry, from our reliance on animals and the human effort as primary sources of energy to the use of fossil fuels and mechanical power. One such example is the steam engine um you know the that comes into various things the locomotive the steamboat the machines and factories all those contributed to a much greater effort in trade and expansion and development and this was an era that began in great britain after 1750 with the help of financial institutions in place, such as central banks, to finance that infrastructure and new factories. Today, in today's world, this is the financial institutions of then. Today are look more like something called VCs, which are venture capitalists. And these are the guys that go in and invest massive amounts into developing and funding those elements of infrastructure 
then that brings us to the second industrial revolution, which took place between or in that transition off, off the 19th century into the 20th century with major breakthroughs in electricity, distribution, wireless and wire communication, synthesis of ammonia. That, that's basically a step further. It's more extreme than using just regular old steam because that brought about nitrogen and hydrogen, as well as new forms of power generation. This second industrial revolution maximized electricity and steel, the steel production levels, automobiles, even the assembly lines to create those automobiles, these, advance, these advancements in electricity and petroleum causing a series of innovations. The steel became much more cost-effective and the railroads became much more expanded with much more industry machines. Then, uh, so yeah, in 1870 also, there was the creation of the division of labor and mass production. Huge developments were taking place. Then in the third industrial revolution, which began in the 1950s, that became the development of the digital systems, communication, and rapid advancements in computing power. This third industrial revolution brought electronics and information technology much into the forefront. The digital technologies went into the telecommunications, all types of computers, even space expedition, biotech. It was a digital revolution. It changed the business model and it reshaped many services thereafter. And now we've come to the fourth industrial revolution which is the cyber-physical systems. This is a way of blurring boundaries between the physical, digital, and biological worlds, a fusion of advancements in AI, artificial intelligence, robotics, IoT, the Internet of Things, 3D printing, genetic engineering, quantum computing, yes, yes, quantum computing. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The fourth industrial revolution was, is an advent of cyber-physical systems involving new capabilities for people with machines. This represents new ways in which tech becomes embedded within societies and even our human bodies, genome editing with AI and breakthrough materials such as silicon and optics and approaches to governance that rely on cryptographic methods 
also known as blockchain. One interesting example of this, um, this technological advancement was something that Tesla performed not too long ago. They gave a huge demonstration of uh, this Neuralink that they created. And um, so it was a demonstration with um, utilizing three pigs and each pig had a uh, different model of this neural link implanted this this thing implanted within them and there was it was only reading their brain waves but it was uh, i mean it was a ridiculous demonstration but it was kind of breaking down or showing the uh, the development on the brainwave activity and the connectivity of this uh, computer chip that they had so with that, you can imagine how much further we're going to go into this technological advancement, which kind of seems unreal at times to think about. So then you have both the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, and the World Economic Forum, both become very publicly and openly demanding of this great reset and this Fourth Industrial Revolution. The uh, so much so that they they have a roadmap of this uh, the Great Reset. It's a it's a PDF and a, like a chart, or not really a chart, but a poster. It shows this circular form with all these details outlined around the center. Of course, the center says the Great Reset, and all the details around it go into detail. Um, go into the explanation of what the guidelines are going to be on um, what they uh, consider to be the changes necessary within society. The Great Reset Agenda has three main components. First, it would steer the market toward fairer outcomes, not opportunities, but outcomes. Moreover, the, governor, the government should implement long overdue reforms that promote more equitable outcomes. Second component would ensure that investments advance shared goals, such as equality and sustainability. Third, the, the third component is to harness the innovations of the fourth industrial revolution, especially by addressing health and social challenges. Here's an interesting quote. The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab is the gentleman from the first clip that I played, um, who I compared to uh, Emperor Palpatine. And he mentions a narrow window of opportunity. And what's interesting about that is he's not the only one to state that quote. Uh, there are many other leaders, many other leaders that have said the very same thing. So here we come, here we go back into the crypto. All right, now we're gonna get into how this all kind of starts to come together. The World Economic Forum has also issued a CBDC, which stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. They've issued a CBDC policymaker toolkit. This is a 28-page PDF, another memo of sorts, 
that has been sent out to all participating financial institutions and fintechs, financial tech companies. And it has the subheading Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Within this report, this insight report, it refers to examples of stable coins. I touched a little bit about on this um, in the previous episode. So the, some examples they gave about stable coins are the USDC, Paxos, Gemini Dollar, Libra Token. The stable coin is basically um, a crypto that does not fluctuate in value. It holds its um, cons- it holds a constant value, r- such as if it's a dollar, it stays at a dollar no matter how the market fluctuates. And um, they also mentioned globally available cryptocurrencies, and the main ones um, under that heading are Bitcoin and Ethereum, of course. So here's an interesting clip I have for you. The gentleman that's about to speak, his name is Brian Brooks. Brian Brooks is a, um, is a lawyer. He worked at a bank. Forgive me, I can't recall the one that uh, he was working at. In 2008, he was working at this bank with uh, our present um, United States Treasurer, Steve Mnuchin, and as well as um, our current Vice President-elect, Kamala Harris. They all worked at this bank in 2008. And um, they, you know, they, um, of course, ran into that trouble that occurred in the 2008 era. If you've gone back to my first episode, you know what occurred. Then Brian Brooks set out to become the chief legal officer in one of the most prominent crypto exchanges called Coinbase. He had been Coinbase for years, um, almost from um, its first creation. And uh, after that, at the beginning of this year, in fact, he took the role of being the United States comptroller of the currency. This is a very powerful position to have because you are, you basically control the fate of the currency within this country you dictate many banking laws as well. So I'd like you to listen in on something he has to say that describes how this, um, um, how this kind of plays into where we, um, where we are with, uh, with blockchain and digital currencies. I would just say one other quick thing, Paul, and that is that, um, in the U.S., among people who don't have a deep thesis for crypto, you often hear people talk about, well, I'm for blockchain, I'm just not for crypto. So when I hear phrases like distributed ledger technology, which is not a phrase that has ever been uttered in Silicon Valley, what I think that is code for is I'm pro-blockchain, but I'm anti-crypto. So let me just level set for people who are not deeply educated in this. There's no such thing as blockchain without crypto. Crypto is the native asset that induces people to solve the puzzles that result in validating transactions. It's the only reason people plug their computer into the network in order to do the transaction validation that occurs. So don't be fooled by people who say I'm pro-blockchain and anti-crypto. You know, you wouldn't have stablecoin networks without the Ethereum token. That's what led to the development of the Ethereum network on which all of these stablecoins are built. 
And so we do really need the clarity Hester's talking about because without it, there won't be blockchain. And so we can't think of the blockchain as the as the infrastructure. It's the ecosystem of tokens and networks uh, that is that is the national infrastructure on this. He was referring to what some one of the talking points some will are attempting to deliver is separating crypto and blockchain as if you can refer to seeing the benefit of using the blockchain blockchain technology and doing away with crypto. When I um, as I introduced him, he's been in this space for a number of years as a very prominent lawyer. So he's very knowledgeable in the way this is going to work. So he was trying to establish uh, that understanding that you cannot separate the two. This is how things are going. And he is uh, in a teleconference with uh, some very influential um, individuals as well. So one other one other example within this um, this PDF report, this CBDC policymaker toolkit, are crypto assets designed for inter and interbank payments and settlements. This is a very big deal because the banks are going to be utilizing their own currency within their own network, separate from uh, the the regular use of what everyday people will be using. Now, cryptocurrencies will come in also like all forms, all types of uh, different operating systems. So, of course, they'll be using one of their own. And within that one, it's going to be the most uh, most efficient and the most uh, the most scalable and the, the fastest in transactions. It's pretty much got the most advanced technology you can have in a crypto. And so specifically... They even name which one that is, and it's XRP. So Ripple is a, a name of a, a financial tech company that brought XRP into play. And they are basically signing on, <clears throat> excuse me, banks from across the world to utilize this XRP token. Something to note about the XRP token is it has been around for as long as Bitcoin has. Even though it seems like Ethereum has been number two and has been there for just as long and longer than any other crypto, XRP went by a different name. Actually, it went by the name of Ripple, and it's been around about as long as Bitcoin has been around. The significance of XRP, though, is it took all of the mistakes and the, the shortcomings that, that's in the, the Bitcoin code and made them much more efficient and much more uh much more um just much more i mean it's one of uh, it's being considered probably one of the greatest digital assets uh, in creation and that can be i don't know very controversial in some circles because there is such a such an interesting tribal uh collective and community within uh the crypto space you know you you have someone that likes one coin and then you have someone else that likes another coin and they can get very defensive about each one of those claiming that one is better than the other. All you really need to do is state the facts of what the utility case is. How are they being used? And this XRP token is basically establishing its, its, uh, the groundwork in a lot of the interbank systems globally that it's also one of the fastest to travel from A to B 
because one of Bitcoin's uh, main challenges and problems is that the transactions per second in a Bitcoin is very slow. Like, oh man, um, like minutes. It, it, it takes a long time. Um, so it's not as efficient as it should be. And this is one reason it will not be the currency that people want it to be because it's just too slow. It takes a while to transfer Bitcoin from A to B. So moving on, the XRP has uh, become uh, has segmented to become a foundation also. So what Ripple did is they went and they created a uh, XRP foundation, which is kind of becomes a nonprofit organization so that it can have that adaptability to partner with many other organizations in various ways. One other very prominent organization in this space is something called the Energy Web Token also known as EWT by its ticker. The Energy Web Token is um, a very interesting token because this is when we get into the the, the, um, the new, um, that falls in line with the fourth industrial revolution on, on how ener energy usage is going to be and how the economic structure is going to change with energy consumption and how we're going to change into a new type of energy source. And all this is still unfolding and in development. Um, and so it's become very interesting, but even more so with the collaboration of this XRP token and this EWT token to come together um, in this effort. So the EWT will um, lead the, um, this carbon neutral economy is what it's being called. And it's also referred to as the Green Horizon Summit. So... This is very interesting because this um, this is something almost as significant as the Bretton Woods uh, agreement, and this is a um, so in to summarize some of some some key points with what this is. It's a keynote uh, with a keynote address from Mark Carney from the Bank of England. The summit will focus on the role of financial services in supporting a green recovery and an economy-wide transition to net zero. Net zero is a major talking point on how they're going to bring down carbon emissions. It will also explore how, cap how capital can be mobilized at the pace and scale needed to meet not only the UK's commitment to net zero emissions by 2050, but also international climate commitments. The Green Horizon Summit, the pivotal role of finance, will take place at Mansion House as a virtual event from 9 to 1-1, I mean 9 to through the 11th, in November, which means it's already taken place of this year, 2020. The original dates for the postponed United Nations Climate Change Conference, the COP26, had, and this is, this is another event where they will be addressing climate change, but it's been postponed. And instead, they, they um, had this Green Horizon Summit, which takes place in Glasgow. And, um, and that, and that uh, climate change conference will take place uh, next November of next year. So um, a final quote on for this would be, the Green Horizon Summit will be a key milestone en route to Glasgow COP26. It will bring together leaders of finance, business, government, and civil society from around the world for a progress check on green finance for the Great Reset and to showcase innovative finance solutions to accelerate industry's net zero transition and for nature-based solutions. 
from our friend Professor Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. Again, this guy is pretty much dictating exactly everything that's going to be playing out. Just something to take note. So this kind of brings this all to down to one simple point of the energy usage is going to uh, be financially mobilized. And so all of this also comes down to another variable of a type of crypto. So I have a final clip for you that will pretty much kind of bring all this together as how this is um, how this is going to look. Technology is transforming the way we live and work. And in the world of finance, we are at the start of a digital revolution. The market for sustainable investing has evolved. But while the industry has become more digital, database technologies for financial products are still a black box. Imagine if we could use technology to provide large-scale financing to fund the projects that make the world a better place, while also making the financial transactions behind those projects more efficient, transparent, and secure. What if we could simplify the investment process and design new market structures that could one day streamline financial transactions in every corner of the globe? What if instead of taking days to complete transactions, we could do it in seconds? What if investors could trade the highest quality investments faster, at a lower cost, and with reduced risk? The revolution has started with the world's first digital bond, Bondi the first issue of a bond using blockchain technology. Bondi has been issued by the World Bank in Australian dollars on a platform developed by the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. By using a blockchain, instead of registering transactions in a central system with a stored ledger, there is a single verifiable continuous record of information, a resilient distributed asset register, a single source of truth. And as the blockchain is secured, only those with permission can access the records. Participants can securely hold and trade the assets in a matter of seconds. We believe that blockchain technology will shape the future and make markets more efficient. The digital revolution in sustainable finance has begun. So to end off, this is where it gets very, very interesting with an interesting surprise. Bondi is a form of a fintech company shaping the new economy driven by energy use but guess what so is texas here's a did you know in rockdale texas there's a hundred acre data mining facility which is the world's largest bitcoin mining facility in a merger with a with a company called windstone now they have a u.s based company in louis from louisiana originally founded in frankfurt building the world's largest bitcoin mining facility in texas is a big step and great success for the blockchain industry in the united states a game changer says winstone u.s chief operating officer this is a full gigawatt of computing power at least they expect to hit that, mo that mark by the end of 2020. Reports detailed that two of Japan's major financial firms, SBI Holdings and GMO Internet, have opted to join subsidiary Winstone in Texas 
in Texas's Bitcoin mining operation. Coming into a digital gold rush of Texas, Winstone and its corporate partners will be joining the Chinese mining giant Bitmain, which has also set up shop in Rockdale. If you've never heard of Bitmain, the whole capability and hardware in which Bitcoin is being mined is from Bitmain Technologies. They are gigantic. They are huge. They're privately owned from Beijing and uh, they design application-specific circuit chips for Bitcoin mining. So to tie all this and end this, this is what transformation looks like and bringing in an entire new infrastructure with technological advancements. It is important to know this is for the sake of autonomy. As the digital age evolved, so did artificial intelligence. And that artificial intelligence now exists and lives on the internet. As these digital currencies and tokens are created, they are the bits of software. And within each one, it enables it. It enables it to continue to operate. Whereas these digital assets, by appreciating in value, become part of our monetary purpose and common tra transactional system, these are bits of code and they are what the machine needs to keep functioning. So that's my time here. Keep an eye out for bonus content available in my decentralized platforms like Hyper and Uptrend. The links are in the description. I like to post extra um, imagery that I pick up from Decentraland for my explorations there. You'll find uh, links and ways to get started with crypto. I will say there is a, as far as one of the sources in finding out uh, more interesting discussions about crypto is a, um, a channel and newsletter called Real Vision Finance. And they have uh, interviews and conversations with very interesting investors um, and very knowledgeable people that have been in the finance space for years. And so now all these people will be coming into the crypto space and they just started a new outlet and channel called Real Vision Crypto. So I highly recommend you maybe go check that out to learn a little bit more. Let me know y'all are alive out there with some likes, upvotes, or comments. Shout out to Rogue Media for making this possible. Shout out to Metaverse Productions for providing the tunes to vibe to, as well as Decentraland. This has become a very big hub creating big things for all artists out there in Decentraland. We'll be getting into the fun stuff from now on, ready or not. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more disruption. This is One Nation Under God and Crypto for All. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.